Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Anxiety Rx podcast. I am your host, Dr. Russ Kennedy, a medical doctor and neuroscientist who suffered with crippling anxiety for many, many years. And I had to find my own way out because traditional therapies weren't helping me. So I had to find a reason why I had anxiety, which basically came to be on an LSD trip. And it showed me that my anxiety was really this sense of alarm that was held in my body. For me, it's in my solar plexus, and I've talked about it extensively before, but it's kind of a purple color. It's sharp. It points up into my heart. It pushes back into my spine, and it's a pressure and a pain, and it's been there for many, many years. And I believe it started when I was younger, and I had trauma or stress, or whatever you want to call it, that I couldn't escape from. My father was bipolar and schizophrenic and would often go into psychosis or mania or depression, and it would throw the whole house into chaos. And that energy as a child, being you know 9, 10 years old and beyond, was too much for me. So when we get overwhelmed as children with stress, that stress gets offloaded from our conscious mind into our unconscious mind or repressed or suppressed or whatever you want to call it. And then from there, because the unconscious mind is a representation of the body or the body is a representation of the unconscious mind, whichever way you want to look at it, it gets stored in the body. And for me, it's in my solar plexus. That's where I store the alarm. And for you, it may be, you know, your chest or your throat or your back or your shoulders. So I get people to really focus on where they find their alarm. Because if you can find your alarm, you can start fixing the underlying problem because that is the source of your anxiety. The problem is, is when we start trying to think our way out of alarm, which we can't do because we're using a mind process to try and fix a body issue. Or what I should say more correctly is a conscious mind issue to try and fix an unconscious issue. So when you try and talk to the unconscious trauma in the body of alarm with conscious thoughts like, hey, calm down, hey, it's okay, it may help a little bit, but it's not really going to fix the root cause. But unfortunately, we, we try and think our way out of a feeling problem. And what happens is that that compulsive thinking turns into worry. And we try and think our way out of anxiety, which is kind of like trying to dig your way out of a hole. The more you're going to dig, the more you're going to think, the more deeper you're going to go into it because thinking isn't what's going to solve the underlying problem. It's a feeling-based problem. It's an old problem of alarm that's stored in your body. And you have to address it as an old problem of alarm that's stored in your body. But when we're younger, when we're stressed, our first impulse is to try and think our way out of the stressor. You know, as children, we're trying to always figure out a way. It's all trial and error. Well, if I, if I give them what they want, if I, if I please them in some way or I try and rescue them in some way, will that make a difference? If I could only do something more, less, better, or different, this problem in my house would disappear, which is a typical childhood thought. So children take on the issues of their families as if they can fix them. And then they try all these trial and error methods, usually using thought, to try and fix them. And they don't work. But, 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 they appear to work to the child. Those thought processes appear to work for the child. So the child keeps using thought to try and fix what is ultimately an alarm or feeling problem with thinking, which never works. 
So here's the deal. The, the stress in our system causes our bodies to secrete cortisol and epinephrine, adrenaline. And then that creates a physiological state of alarm in our body. And this is, if you read my book, is what I call foreground alarm. Everyone has it. Everyone has this sort of fight or flight reaction of the autonomic nervous system. Now, that foreground alarm, that automatic human reaction to be stressed, to go into fight or flight, is natural. But if you have old trauma, like I did, there's also a sense of background alarm as well. So I have alarm in my background from my mentally ill father. So that sits in my solar plexus. That sits in my body. So when the foreground alarm kicks up, when I get excited about anything, often that background alarm will get revved up with it because it's kind of like two frequencies that are the same. So when the alarm comes up, it sets off the thinking. And when the thinking comes up, it sets off the alarm. So we get into this alarm anxiety cycle that I've talked about before. So the problem with cortisol and epinephrine is that it paralyzes a part of our brain called the hippocampus. And the hippocampus is what kind of helps us time date stamp our memories. So if we can't time date stamp the memory, when that memory comes back into our conscious awareness, it doesn't feel like it's coming from the past. It feels like it's still happening. And because the amygdala, the so-called fear center of the brain, don't really like that term, but it's accurate in this sense, the amygdala has no sense of time, but it will record your alarm. It will record your anxious, stressful moments. It records everything that has ever hurt you, as a matter of fact. And that amygdala has no sense of time. So if you were bitten by a dog when you were younger, and maybe before the age of four or something like that, and then as an adult, you have this you know, irrational fear of dogs, the amygdala recorded that. Maybe the hippocampus didn't because the hippocampus gets paralyzed when there is cortisol and epinephrine in the system. And this is the reason why people tell me all the time when they've had stressful childhoods, I don't have a lot of memories from my childhood because cortisol and epinephrine get secreted by that little child's body in response to the stress. It paralyzes the hippocampus. The hippocampus is kind of like the time date stamper of memories. So that time date stamp doesn't occur, but the amygdala still records the trauma. So when we think about something or something comes into our awareness, if someone mentions schizophrenia or suicide, those are, are triggers for me to go back into that old alarm, which fires up the old survival physiology, which puts me into deeper alarm, which, and here's my point, when you're in alarm, you can't think clearly. It becomes a kind of survival response. And when you're in a survival response, you can't think clearly. So this is why when we have worries, when we're in alarm, when we're in our survival physiology, they appear real to us because it's shut off our ability to be rational. So worries that we would normally just go, yeah, that just doesn't make sense. When you're in a survival or alarm state, all of a sudden makes sense because you've shut off the part of your brain that would actually show you that these worries are irrational. So that's another fault of our human wiring that we create these worries and in the physiology that we create them, we also believe them. So the analogy that I draw is like, how well could you solve an algebra problem if someone had a knife to your throat? Like you can't think clearly when you're in deep alarm like that. 
which is basically why when we try to think our way out of a feeling problem, when we try and think our way out of anxiety, we just make ourselves worse because we don't actually have the brain power necessary to really see that our thoughts are irrational. We have to bring the calm sense into our body first. So you've got to see that you're in alarm. You've got to see that you're in a survival state when you get into alarm. You have to recognize it. You have to develop an awareness of that alarm. And once you develop that awareness, then you can have a choice. And the choice at that point is, I'm going to go into my body. I'm going to breathe into this. I'm going to have compassion for myself. I'm going to put my hand over my chest. I'm going to connect with that alarm as opposed to going up into your head. Because going up into your head is not going to help you. It really isn't. Even though your mind will tell you that it has the answer, it actually just has more of the problem. So thinking is not going to help you out of that survival state, although your thoughts will be emphatic that they have the answer. Your thoughts will say, this, this is the, we'll just keep thinking, just keep thinking and, you, and you'll come up with the solution, which is a massive trap because it just creates more anxiety. Your thoughts are a trap. So you, you really have to feel your way out, develop that awareness that, hey, I'm in alarm. Maybe not use the word anxiety. I'm in alarm right now. I have to find that alarm in my system. I have to connect with it. I have to breathe. I have to, you know, ground myself in the chair that I'm in or feel my feet on the ground or take a few deep breaths through my nostrils, feel the air come through my, my face and into my chest and just really focus on sensation rather than going up into your thinking. And some people say, well, just think positive. You know, just think positive thoughts. It's really, really difficult to think in opposition to how your body feels. And on top of that, once you start thinking, once you go up into thoughts, even if you are thinking positive, your ego will just slowly kind of crowbar that in. And before you know it, you're back in the old worry again. So you can't beat thoughts on their own turf. That's one, one of my favorite sayings is you can't beat thoughts on their own turf. When you go into your thoughts, you're at the mercy of your thoughts, especially if you're in survival physiology because you won't have the ability to rationally see where you're at. So what you have to do, kind of like an early warning system, is recognize the signs of your alarm early, which I talk about in other podcasts, but also write about in the book, and, and almost say to your mind, hey, mind, I know that you're going to start handing me shitty thoughts. I know that you're going to start doing this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my hand on my chest. I'm going to go in a breath. Even though those thoughts are so seductive, even though they're pecking at you like, please, please, please think me. Like the sirens uh, in that story of um, Ulysses and the sirens when he has a boat and he's going by Siren Island, Siren Island, and the beautiful maidens are, are calling to him and singing to him. And he's strapped to the mast, so he can't go to them, but he wants to. And it's kind of like, that's what your thoughts are like. Your thoughts are like the sirens on Siren Island. They're trying to pull you, but they're going to pull you onto the rocks. They're going to pull you to your own doom. And it's realizing, hey, I'm in alarm. There's no point in going into my thinking. I can't think my way out of a feeling problem. I can't dig myself out of a hole. What you have to do is go into your body. Really, even though your body's painful, I realize that it's hard to go into your body when your body's painful, but that's how we metabolize the trauma. And if you need someone else to help you, if you need like a counselor or um, a somatic practitioner or someone like that to help you move through these thoughts, by all means, do that. Because really what we have to do is solve the problem at its source and the thoughts will never solve the problem at its source. 
And that's why I'm not a huge fan of CBT, you know, fixing anxiety permanently. It does help, you know, to think differently, to, to, to go into your mindfulness and think differently. It does help in the short term. But unless you go with the underlying root of the problem, which is this old alarm trapped in your system from unresolved, typically childhood trauma, you're always going to have alarm. And that alarm is always going to try and seduce you into thinking. But if you cut it off at the pass, if you know, hey, I'm in alarm right now, I'm going to use my awareness to bring myself into my body, into my breath, into some part of my body that feels good or at least neutral. I use my breath a lot. I use the breath as it comes in through my sinuses. I can really feel it and focus on that sensation because that will calm me down. That will actually help the root cause or the underlying source of the alarm in the first place. So I put my hands on my chest. I take slow breaths. I really focus on the positive feeling in my body. But I can also focus on the alarm as well. And, and feel it with compassion and see it as my wounded younger self. Because that's what it is. That's what, that's what that alarm is. It's your wounded younger self asking for your attention. And if you don't give it that attention, like if you imagine a child walking up to you crying with their hands up in the air to be picked up and you push them off to go to Instagram or shopping or somewhere else, that child is going to either give up, which is basically what we call dorsal vagal shutdown, which is your whole body shuts down and goes into kind of a depressed state, or it goes into high alarm because that alarm, that child is going to try and raise the alarm so high that it has to get your attention. But the problem is it raises the alarm so high that we start going back into thoughts again. And that child is left on their own without the attention because we've all of a sudden escaped into our thoughts. And from a neuroscience standpoint, when you take your focus away from your scary thoughts and redirect energy into the grounded present moment sensation in your body, you move out of your survival limbic brain and back into your rational prefrontal cortex, your prefrontal brain, the part that, that actually is rational. So then once you've regained your ability to think rationally because you've grounded your body, then you can use your thoughts to find a solution. Because I have nothing wrong with thinking once you've grounded your body. But if you're trying to think your way out of a feeling problem when you are in deep alarm, you've shut off the part of the brain that would actually solve the problem. So I like to say you can't, you can't put out a fire from inside a burning house. You got to get outside where it's safe. And what I mean by being outside is being in your body. Get outside of that survival physiology, that alarm that's going to just keep you locked in that old survival trauma loop of alarm in the body, thinking in the mind, thinking is poisoned, and you're not able to get out of that loop while you still think those thoughts because your body will react to those worries as if those worries are true. So you can't be thoughts on your own turf. You can't think your way out of a feeling problem. You have to move into your body. When you sense you're an alarm, and this is the trick, and I'm going to do another podcast on that, is how do you recognize you're an alarm before it takes you over so badly that you're already thick in your thoughts? Because that happens to everyone, at least early in their recovery from anxiety, is that we are in our thoughts before we even recognize it. And it's just a matter of developing some awareness in your system of what alarm feels like, what it feels like early on, so you can see it coming up. 
knowing your triggers, so knowing once you go into this state of alarm that your thoughts are just automatically going to turn into poison and there's just no point in going and drinking that poison because it's not going to do you any good. So it's recognizing the alarm, seeing how it comes up in your body. For me, like I said, it's in my solar plexus. For some people, it's in their heart or their upper chest or their throat or their belly or across their shoulders. Where does alarm show up with you? When you're feeling quote unquote anxious, when you're getting into this sort of anxious loop or trauma loop, where do you feel that in your body? Because that's the source of the problem. That's your younger self asking for your attention. And if you don't pay attention to that younger self, they'll either give up and you'll go into shutdown or kind of a depressed state, or it'll go into high alarm, which is the real anxious state, the sympathetic fight or flight state that a lot of us with anxiety know intimately. So there is something to yoga. There is something to breathing. There is something to all these things because they bring you back into your body. They ground your body. They stop cortisol secretion. They stop epinephrine or adrenaline secretion. And they allow your body to calm down. When your body calms down, your brain regains that prefrontal cortex. It regains that ability to think rationally. And then you can see your thoughts for what they really are. Again, I don't have any problem with thinking. I do have a problem with thinking when you're alarmed because you're just never going to be able to think your way out of a feeling problem. So that's this episode. Uh, I hope you like it. Uh, send me messages on Instagram at the anxiety MD. Uh, anything is the anxiety MD, my YouTube, Instagram, all that. So if you want to find me, just Google those things. And I do this because I don't want you to have to suffer with anxiety like I did. It was just, it crushed me. It almost killed me. So my mission in life is to try and get a solution that works for people because I see so many people struggling with anxiety and going through therapies, specifically talk therapies, and they don't get better and they blame themselves and it's not a problem of yourself. It's a problem that the therapies that we have currently, the traditional therapies, actually don't work that well. They try and fix the mind when the problem is actually this alarm that's stored in your body. So see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. And tell your friends, tell anyone you know, your dog, your pat, your, your pat, your dog, your squirrel, anyone, anyone you know that suffers from anxiety, please direct them towards me because I really want to get this message out. It's a very atypical message that anxiety is more to do with your body than your mind. So it's taken me a while. It's like an uphill battle, but I'm convinced that this is the root out of anxiety. And this is the way that people can feel empowered. So thanks again. And we'll see you next time.